0: This morning, the scripture comes to us uh, from the Gospel of John. We're actually going to read two different passages in the Gospel of John. We're going to read one from John 14, and then we're going to move over to John 16 uh, to hear from Jesus again. Uh, If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn with me there. Uh, If not, you can follow along with the words on the screen uh, as we together hear from Jesus and hear the word of the Lord. Uh, John 14 Uh, Beginning in verse 25 on through 27, and then we'll move to John 16. Hear now the word of the Lord. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And then moving over to uh, chapter 16, we're going to read verses 29 on through the end of that chapter, uh, verse 33. Again, we hear from Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, Now... Then, then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Now do you believe? Jesus replied. A time is coming and in fact has come when, when you will be scattered each to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet... I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing, and so we give thanks to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious God, indeed we do come before you, thankful for your word, the wisdom contained therein. Lord, I praise you for... What you're doing in our midst. And I ask God that you would meet with us now as we reflect on your word, that you would offer us a convic- convicting and convincing message this morning. Lord, uh, remove all of me and replace it with all of you so that you would receive all of the glory this day and that everything that you would have accomplished would be done. Lord, I ask that you would open our eyes that we would see, open our ears that we would hear. Open our minds, we come to know and understand your word, and indeed your ultimate will. Open our hearts that we would feel its power. Then by your grace, I ask, O God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. We continue today in a series uh, on the fruits of the Spirit. Uh, the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, these nine fruit that, that are in you and available to you, empowered by the work of the Holy Spirit to, to have a harvest of salvation out in the world, that this harvest uh, is in you and through you in the world, and that God calls us to this harvest, and to be a part of this harvest, that, that we're, not, we're, not, uh, uh, we're not going out into the fields lacking Anything, but we have everything that we need: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I find it interesting that the Lord has done this to me. That the Lord has invited me to uh, to preach on the fruit of the Spirit, peace, on this the weekend when uh, football really begins, right? Uh, football is this weekend. Last weekend was like uh, kicking around uh, D2 competition uh, that, that really didn't belong on the field. There was like one, two games last week. This week, uh, this week, if you're here this morning and you're an Aggie, you're crying. If you're uh, a Longhorn, you're crying. If you're from LSU, you're not here because you're still partying, uh, as it were, for LSU fans. And then <laughs> Uh, and, and then the, oh my gosh, the audacity to wear Clemson colors this morning. Uh, ugh, that's, that's what you get for having a, a church in a community where people come from all over the country to, uh, to, to work and, uh, and to have their lives. Uh, but, but, but one of the things, you know, when you look at also this week, you, you have uh, the NFL kicking off this weekend, you have Cowboys today, Texans tomorrow. I'm sorry for uh, all of you who, uh, who enter into the season feeling defeated already, but uh, it's, because, uh, it's because of these sorts of false rivalries and false conflicts that we uh, have the opportunity to really pull back today and think about what, what does real conflict look like. What does what is, what, what is real confrontation look like? Not something that's just set up and, and put together uh, and, and, and made for TV sort of conflict, but, but, but what does that, that, that real conflict look like? When we think about peace, oftentimes the first thing we think about is we think about global peace. We think about war and peace. We think about violence, physical violence, death, tolls, rising. We think about the wars that we have been in as a nation that have, that have plagued uh, all of human history as far as we can look back. And sometimes we find ourselves uh, in just, just meeting with the Lord and we pray to the Lord, Lord, just this one day, one day alone, just this one day, could you, uh, could you accomplish by the power of your spirit a day of peace so that uh, all throughout the world, there would be no violence on this one day. And may it start with one day. It may become a week. And may that week become a month. And may that month become a year. And may we experience peace that can be sustained. Peace uh, uh, that, that overwhelms violence where there can be no more conflict in our midst. That's maybe where our minds go to when we think, of, when we think about peace. We contrast it to war and we think about conflict and we are overwhelmed by the realities of this world. Maybe the second thing that we think about when we think about peace is we think about uh, the conflict that exists in relationships and the lack of peace in relationships. Uh, maybe you're not at peace with a family member or a neighbor or a coworker. Maybe you're in conflict at odds with someone that you used to be in relationship with and now you find that overwhelming tension challenging your opportunity to rest in peace peace and maybe that's where some of you are today but that global conflict that relational conflict if we draw back even further and dive a little deeper maybe we could find ourselves at at a little more of the core of what jesus talks about this this spiritual inner peace This peace that starts in me. And why do we do that? Why do we think global and relational and then come personal? I I think what Jesus has for us today and what we're going to dig in and find is that that if we actually reverse that, if the first thing we think about when we think about peace is we think about peace in us and allow that peace to then uh, uh, allow us to become peacemakers in our relationships then those relationships can multiply globally and we could experience peace around the world. Y'all see the difference? Why is that when we think about war and peace, when we think about peace, we think about war and peace and we allow that to move to relational and then move that in. But if we would just reverse it and start with the peace that we have in Jesus and then move into our relationships and in the world, we can see real transformation. What is this peace? What is this peace that we so deeply seek? We hear about it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. This is maybe the most, most common quote about peace. Uh, maybe you've heard someone pray this over you, or maybe you've prayed it over someone else. Uh, it, it goes like this. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, or other versions say surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is that passes understanding. We think about that as like supernatural peace, peace that's mind-boggling, peace that we can't understand, that we can't grasp. Maybe you've encountered someone that was at peace in a situation where it seems like there should be no logical reason or way in which they could have peace, and yet they did. Maybe you've prayed that prayer for yourself. Maybe you've prayed it for others. Maybe others are praying it over you. But I find oftentimes we fail to understand what that means. What does it mean to have peace that truly passes understanding? It's beyond our comprehension. And so we're going to dive into how Jesus describes this peace for us, offers this peace to us, and and supplies us with, with a path of peace that could begin in us and extend out into the world. But but first I want to take a moment and maybe take a step back and, and and have an honest moment uh with you because some of you might might be in a in a place where you've experienced or you have a loved one that's experienced depression or anxiety or, or, or a a a lack of peace that was so profound that you sought additional help. And and, and I believe and believe it's true that. That there are chemical imbalances, there are, there are physical limitations, and there are ways in which psychology and psychiatry can help us to pursue peace in, in real and whole ways, and I do not dismiss those. And so what we talk about and what we hear from Jesus today isn't, isn't, isn't a dismissal of those things, but it's us allowing the Word of God to supply us wisdom about the spiritual realities that couple with those physical realities. I've, I've known and know family and loved ones that have been blessed by the work of medicine and the understanding of their physical selves and the needs that they have. And so if that's where you are or where a loved one is, nothing that is said is said to dismiss, but only to op- operate alongside of and to bless and to receive that spiritual word from Jesus as well. Amen? 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 And so, um, so let's hear from Jesus. Let's hear what this peace that passes understanding is about. Let's try to understand how how uh, uh, what that means, and 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 grasp how that is achieved in us, uh, so that we might bear fruit and a harvest in the world. Uh, the first reference that we had was from john chapter 14 and and we find ourselves in the midst of a very long teaching from jesus this is jesus as he's heading towards the cross and this is like his his final words to his disciples the things that he really wants his disciples to grasp so that as he uh as he goes through the crucifixion into the resurrection and then he ascends he knows that he has said his peace and that his disciples have received what they needed to receive from him and so He says, hey, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to teach you, and and, and here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you peace, and in verse 27, we have this articulation of it. It says, I leave peace for you. I give peace to you, but I don't give as the world gives. I don't give as the world gives that's a phrase I want us to hold on to because I think that we need, to, we need to dive into it and understand how Jesus informs that so that we're not just grasping at what does that mean? I don't give as the world gives. And then you and I are then trying to figure out, uh, well, how does the world give peace? Uh, how does the world offer things? And then, and, then we, uh, and then we struggle and wrestle there. No, 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 let's see what Jesus has to say about what peace is and how we receive peace so that we can then understand the difference of the world and, and receive that contrast from that direction. So Jesus begins by saying, I leave peace for you. Leave it. Leave it. Think think about about things that are really, really precious to you. Things that you hold incredibly dear to you. You put them in places of prominence. You put them in places of protection. You guard them against against them wandering off. uh, And you want to be sure that they are your treasures and are treated as such. What are those things for you? Some of them might be documents. Some of them might be a family Bible. It might be something that reminds you of someone, a treasure that you receive from generation to generation. What are those treasured things? Can you imagine the most treasured thing you have? Think about what that is. And just leaving it somewhere. No, 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 seriously, seriously. Imagine taking that thing that is the most treasured thing to you And taking it out of that place where it's secure and safe or it's held in a place of prominence. And I want you to imagine going out into a public place and leaving it and walking away. No, 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 like really, like all the way. Just keep walking, walking away, and it's left there. That's the first way Jesus describes peace for us. He says, I'm not going to be here. I'm returning to the Father. I'm not going to be here. And when I return to the Father, guess what I'm leaving behind? I'm leaving behind peace. And it's more than that. It's not just left there. It's a gift for you. So imagine that you like, like tie a bow on it and put someone's name on it and then you just leave it. That's what Jesus did. Jesus says, here's peace. It's left for you. It's a gift for you. And, 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 and you did nothing for it. All you did is stumble upon it and, and, and receive that offering from me. That's how Jesus articulates it here. I don't give as the world gives. I leave it. It's a gift. But even, even in that description, sometimes we, we, if we think about how the world gives, we, we would start challenging that. We would start coming against it. But can you lose it? Can it be taken back? Can it be robbed from you? Like if I pick up that gift, can I throw it away? Can I discard it? Can I put it in recycling? What, what, what does that look like? And so we have to dig a little deeper, and that's why we turn to John 16. You see, this long narrative from Jesus, this monologue of teaching that he's back and forth with his disciples in, allows us to understand uh, this final testimony that he has for us, that he really wants us to grasp so that we might be able to live these full, rich lives that are overwhelmed with the Spirit and supplied with this deep, residing peace. So, here's what happens. In, In verse 31 we have this articulation from Jesus of what this uh, challenge is. He says, do you now believe? Do you now believe? So I want you to, 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 to pause for a moment and dismiss or, uh, or suspend some of your preconceived notions about Jesus. Some of you think that Jesus had no sense of humor. Some of you think that Jesus didn't laugh and have a good time. Uh, because he just, he just sat there with a the glow around him all the time. Like, that's, that's, what, that's what Jesus is in, in our uh, spiritual imagination sometimes. We also don't think that Jesus got frustrated. Uh, we don't think that Jesus got angry. And we fail to understand that Jesus used sarcasm or uh, rhetorical questions. And so I want you to now suspend all of that and put all those things back into Jesus and hear this verse 31 again. He says, do you now believe totally different right it's not do you now believe and you keep reading right like it, you, you didn't just read the bible and dismiss that phrase so now that now that you've heard it differently do you now believe do you really now believe now after everything else after all that we've been through after that just just little uh, bit of articulation for me do you now believe that's that's the kind of of passion that you need to hear in jesus because here's what happened you see jesus has been teaching and he's been teaching all these things he's been teaching about the holy spirit he's been teaching about this gift that they have he's been teaching about peace just as we heard in chapter 14 and the disciples come to him and they're like jesus we don't understand nothing you've been talking about none of it i have no clue jesus what you've been saying that's what they say uh and some of you you might resonate you might hold your head up and say i'm with you disciples I don't really get what Jesus is talking about. That's okay. They come to Jesus and say, we don't get it. And here's what they blame it on. They say, Jesus, you talk in figures of speech too much. Why don't you just speak plainly? If you would just like be clear about it. If you would, mean what you say, Jesus. Just say what you mean and mean what you say. Just lay it out there and we would get it. And so here's what Jesus does. He does that very thing. He says, All right, disciples, you want it? Here you go. I'm going to die. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to die. And I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'll rise. But after I rise, I'm going to ascend into heaven and you're going to be alone without me. But I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. The disciples then articulate back to him, Jesus, you did it. You told us plainly. Now, now, now we understand. In fact, in verse 31, uh, verse 30, we, we started with verse 31 In verse 30 it says this, this makes us believe that you came from God. Now we believe that you came from God. Do you understand how ridiculous this is? Like how absurd this is. These are the disciples that were with Jesus at the beginning of his ministry. These are the disciples that were with Jesus at a party with his mama, and they ran out of wine, and he took barrels of water and turned them to wine. These are the disciples that were with Jesus when he came across a man that was lame for 38 years beside a pool, thinking that this pool was going to heal him. And Jesus walked up and said, get up, rise, and walk. And now you believe? These are the folks that were with Jesus when Jesus gathered with 5,000 men, not counting women and children, and they're all out there, and everybody's hungry, and he takes a little bit of scraps, and he feeds all of them, everyone. And now you believe? These are the disciples that were with Jesus when they encountered a man that was blind from birth, never been able to see in his life. And Jesus says, open your eyes. Be healed. These are those same ones that were on a boat and it was a storm. And here comes Jesus literally walking on water. And they see Jesus in a distance, and they say, who is this? And Jesus says, it's me. I'm walking to you. I'm walking on water, as it were. And they're like, and, and they don't believe? What, what, what did Jesus have to do for them to believe? This is, the, this is the same group of folks that were with Jesus when he came to the tomb, and Lazarus was dead. He was stinky dead, like been dead. Right and, and, and he comes and meets with Lazarus and he says, Lazarus, rise, come out. And he tells people to take off his death shroud because he doesn't need it anymore. He's alive. That's, all that's from John. All that's from the gospel of John. And so if you read through John straight through, you get through all of that, and then you get to the point where we just read in John chapter 16, and, and, and he gives them a couple of sentences about what's going to happen, and then the disciples say, oh, you're from God. <laughs> and, and now, now put all of that frustration and all of that emotion into Jesus' response. Do you really now believe? After all of this, you, th- you believe now? You think you believe. Jesus says, Jesus says, you think you believe, but just wait. When what, ha- what I just said happened, What will happen happens, you're going to leave, you're going to scatter, you're going to go to your own homes, you're going to abandon me, I'm going to be hanging on a cross, and you're going to be nowhere to be found. You believe? But in the context... Of that articulation of their lack of faith, their lack of faithfulness, their willful abandonment of Jesus. Their frustrating foolishness and lack of understanding, even in the midst of all of that. What are the very next words that Jesus offers to those very same disciples? Those same words that Jesus offers to you and to me. He said, I have told you these things. This is verse 33. Underline it, highlight it, circle it, understand the depth of what's going on here. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I do not give as the world gives. I'm not giving it so that I could take it back. I'm not giving it so that you can't find it. I'm not hiding I'm leaving it right there. I'm giving it to you. And let me tell you about this gift. It's not fleeting. It's not disguised. It is readily Available for you and for me already present in here. Inner peace supplied by the power of the Holy Spirit as a gift from Jesus. Many of you have been journeying through life thinking that there was something that you could do to earn peace some formula that you could follow in order to achieve peace, some way in which you could find it, I want to encourage you. Put yourself firmly in the place of the disciples, understanding how foolish and empty and broken and awful you are. And yet, even in that, Place for you, for me, there's peace. Let that be enough this day. And may it allow you to then enter into relationships and be peacemakers. Enter into your family life, and be a peacemaker. Enter into your workplace and be a peacemaker. Enter into your neighborhood and be a peacemaker because you have peace here. And may that work of peace bear fruit throughout the world so that we might find peace, not just for a day, but we would see the kingdom of heaven come upon the earth and peace reign eternal. Amen.